Hi, this is Jenny White, the host of the Business Growth Podcast, where we talk to entrepreneurs, business owners, and high-level executives to learn best practices, how to grow your business from a variety of different industries and verticals. Anyone and everyone can get knowledge from this show, and we're excited to have you here. All right, everybody, thank you so much for joining us. It's Jenny White, and we, today we have with us Neil Goyal from Tap Park. And today Neil is going to be talking to us about really cool things that have to do with e-commerce, Shopify, branding, and growing these amazing brands that he gets to work with. And I'm super excited because I get to actually meet him in person next week, and he'll be speaking at the Grow LA event uh, the second day, correct? That's correct. That's okay, correct. right here in Los Angeles. So uh, with that being said, Neil... Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Um, I'm super excited for you to share some of the things we've been talking about um, with your involvement over there at Tapcart. So do you want to just start with a quick little introduction, um, who you are, what you do, and then I'll start asking the big questions. Amazing. Amazing. Well, Jenny, first, thanks so much for having me. Um, very familiar with your work. You're doing some amazing things. So the mere fact that you invited me for a conversation, I'm just absolutely thrilled. Um, that said, I'm a director of sales over here at Tapcard. Uh, what we do um, is we launch mobile apps for brands on Shopify with the goal of helping them improve their entire retention strategy, giving an experience for their customers, allowing them to develop a deeper connection between their customers and in the process, unlock the spending power with those customers through you know, in, improved conversions, retention, LTV, and whatnot. So our goal is to essentially Im improve the experience that that brand has with the customers and then reap the uh, benefits as a result of it. Awesome. So thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. So um, let's just go back to a little bit in terms of the history, how you got started, um, what your background is and why you, I think you are like, I get such a vibe from you that you really enjoy what you're doing. And I know that when you get to work around like smart, creative people, it just makes the day so much brighter. Um, but how did you like, it's like a dream job. Like how did you get to where you're at and where did, how did it evolve? This does feel like a dream job. It absolutely does. It's like when you think about when, you know, in some way or another, we are all selling ourselves right? Whether it's selling ourselves in that interview, selling us to a prospective customer or a client, um, selling ourselves internally inside an organization, right? We're all selling ourselves. So when you think about the solution that we're offering to the base, who are we marketing to? We're selling to these really, really cool brands yeah. where you're sitting in front of them. They're like, wow, these people are just a hundred times cooler than I am. And that's a really fun you know, environment to be in, right? To be in like where you're on the cutting edge. And then, um, and then on top of that, think of like those brands that were started on Shopify. Every single one of these brands were started basically in a garage, yeah. right? right. Um, so you have these founders, these creators, these these e-commerce managers and legends that have built these businesses from one or two people. And these are the people you're working with, which means you're working with some of the hardest working, scrappiest, most intelligent, cool. innovative, build the plane as they fly kind of individuals which makes the job so incredibly exciting, right? Because right. you're working with these individuals who are like, if I could only unlock 10% of that brain, I just could be an absolute genius in and of itself. And so being able to you know, converse with those people every day is, just, is like an absolute dream job. You know, you're reminding me of, so at my agency, I talk to a lot of people, um, you know, inbound leads, referrals, people that find me through whatever means. And I talk to everybody. And one thing I've noticed a lot of with, especially with regards to e-commerce is that 
it's sort of a double-edged sword. It's like, I can't tell if it's a good thing or if it's a bad thing, because a lot of people, like, they get the bug, right? They get the bite and they're like, oh, I want to have a brand. I want to have, I want to get into e-commerce. I want to make money while I sleep. I want transactions to be happening without me having to do anything, right? Um, Those individuals, I feel like, that don't have a background, that don't have the understanding or don't have the really big why, um, they've sort of been sold a bit of a bill of goods, you know, and the brands that you're referring to that like, they do have an, a novel idea. They do work like excessively ex- extreme work ethic, right? And building the plane while you fly it, it works for some people. And I've definitely seen the cases where I'm like, please don't build the plane. Please don't, you know? Um, sure. Right. And I, I think that is, again, what makes what you do so interesting and unique. It's that the, the brands that get to the level of needing you and tap part and sort of building the partnerships that you have, they are so ahead of the game. They are like the high level brands that we all look to and go, oh, we should study that. You know what I mean? Like we should study that whole trajectory. Probably every single one of your clients is like a case study of the how and the where and the why you know, to even, to even get to that point. hundred um, percent. So I think, I think when you think about even the most successful brands on Shopify, so the most successful brands, like these are elite brands, but they're still like, you look at like underneath the marketing hood of that brand, there's like five humans that are powering this um, amazing machine. So the question is like, how much must each individual be carrying any given day? Right. So when you see the amount of grit and hustle that each one of these individuals are having, the load that they're carrying, it makes you want to like, it gravitates you towards them. It makes you want to work and support them, right? Because yeah. you already know that they're spread so thin and they're a master of their craft and each one of those verticals that they're working in. So right. it's just one of those like really incredible to have a, be in a conversation with a founder, even if they're a smaller brand too, it takes a certain level of tenacity personality, perseverance, and yep. discipline in order to scale any brand, no matter how big or small you are. And then you meet those serial entrepreneurs within those brands, and then they start one, and then they take another, and then they do another, right? So you get this, like, yeah, I love that. I think that's just, like, the virality of, like, those individuals is, like, so hard to even look away from. You just have to pay attention. You have to go, like, how did they do it? Like, I'm launching a, a beauty brand, a beauty and wellness brand, right? And so I went through and I was looking at, okay, who's my inspiration? What brands do I like? What marketing do I like? What platforms are they on? What are they excelling at? What are they not doing? Where are they not at? And I started like dissecting all this stuff and I started slicing and dicing and I looked at the ordinary. Like I love the brand the ordinary. And I got super into it and started going down these like rabbit holes. And I found out that the founder had actually started, launched five brands at once. Um, and he just, he, he was that guy. He had that brain, you know? And yeah, I just, I just find the whole area so exciting. And like I was saying to you before we started the podcast, you know, um, I'm a bit of a generalist. I get excited about things and I just, I want to learn more and do more. Um, and so because of that, I've made different partnerships along the way. Um, (laughs) but certainly with e-commerce, you know, there's a few brands that I, that I always look to. And I just go, oh my God, if anybody wants to know how to do it, it's that. What would be your top like three? Like, that's it. Like, they're nailing it right now. As far as the individual brands themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So first Not off, that, that you're list. picking a favorite child, but yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, totally, totally. I think uh, brands that are doing it best, like, you know, they almost have to be separated into two types of categories. It's like, was a brand started and launched in the last three year, in the last like two and a half, three years, then we're kind of expecting a different different type of growth trajectory because we're just in, the, in a more difficult time for DVC in general, right? Uh, but if you're talking about brands at scale right now, maybe they were started prior to 2020, they hit the accelerator during that time and now have continued to scale past then. If I'm focusing on that group, I would say, you know, brands like True Classic Tees, uh, Built, Aviator Nation, Princess Polly, uh, I have been brands that like truly have taken the D2C conundrum and truly solved it, right? And I think that largely dealt with like this transition where, you know, in 2021, when you know, the iOS 14 changes took effect and really took a hit on, you know, sent marketing costs and customer acquisition costs through the absolute roof. Totally. And it was the brands that's, that survived that, that, that were able to say, hey, we took a hit over the next six to 12 months. Now we're getting used to this new norm of higher acquisition costs yep. and have adapted to that. Those yep, are the yep. ones that, you know, you see this, this rise pre-customer acquisition increase, yep. then this dip, and those yep. that sustained and have found a way to say, hey, let's prioritize retention. In other words, we know the customer may not be profitable upon acquisition, but how can I develop a deeper connection with the customer by better product, better customer experience, better retention marketing channels that are going to allow that deeper brand connection so the customer comes back and develops a huge brand affinity in that process and buying power in that process. Yeah. Brands that have done that, those are the ones that are standout. So. And that's something specifically that Tapcart also helps with, right? Is that is that connection? And I think I always have fun with the word connection when we're talking about anything in the digital sense because you know, depending on your audience, or like, well, it's just you know, it's it's automations, it's this, but but no, but it's more, right? So you want to talk a little bit about that, not to give away any secret sauce or anything, but like a little bit more about like how you are able to inure that connection within the client uh, brand connection. Absolutely. Right. We, you know, you think of Shopify, Shopify was born and gave brands the ability to launch their e-commerce concept virtually overnight. Right. Okay. And then when you think about it, like, right? like yes, yeah, like, transaction. Right. That's right. Very transactional. They relied on social influencer marketing, whatnot, to build that brand affinity, mm -hmm. which is continue the case today. Mm -hmm. But the challenge is, is that that customer comes, they buy, maybe they, they, they buy a second time, then they never come back. Right. And that's the part where that brand you know, paid so much to acquire them. So they're like, okay, what are diff different ways I can build a bigger brand loyalty? And a loyalty is not a loyalty program. A loyalty means I just get that customer to, to just bring that customer in closer. So when you think about a website, the website's appealing to anyone and everyone that's willing to make a purchase, right? It's, it, again, it's appealing to a mass. Whereas when you think about who, which of those customers are going to download the app, it's not anyone and everyone. It's probably that top 30%. That's mm -hmm. a, a customer that's craving a deeper connection. Mm -hmm. They want exclusive access to something that they can't get anywhere else, an experience that they can't get anywhere else, a sense of community, a VIP type of feeling. Those are the people that are downloading the app. So now the brand has the opportunity to say, here's my website that sells to everybody at the top of the funnel. But for those that are loyal brand fans, I can bring them into this different experience. Yeah. That give make that that continues to nurture that brand connection, right? And, so I think it's the concept of launching that secondary channel that's catering to a more loyal, deeper connected audience. I love it. Yeah, that's that's like when you actually it's 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 more of a two way street at that point, 
right? Because they're actually showing you through their behavior and through this follow through that um, what they want and what you can give them more of. And that's where you really do your learnings is you listen to the consumer. And then, you know, once you're, once you've got their attention, you know, retention and, and keeping them coming back to the well, that's what I always call it, right? Keep them coming back to the well, um, but for the right reasons. And I think that that's where like authenticity and, you know, and, and reciprocity and those sort of those things come into that deeper connection that you're not able to do when you're just focused on a transaction. Well said, couldn't have said that better myself. I mean, when you uh, think about that, that's where it's like, okay, what are the different things a brand can do to nurture that? Right. And it really comes down to CX, right? You like, you have to have a top notch product and a top notch customer experience mm -hmm. as that first part. Right. But then mm -hmm. retention then gets divided into like, three separate funnels or, 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 or pillars, if you will, where, you know, first pillar is talking about the retention tools uh, that you can weave into your website and, and channels such as uh, subscriptions that improve the retention or loyalty programs or, or membership programs, mm -hmm. those kind of things, those tools you weave in. Then there's the, the experiences that are actually doing the retaining where the customer is living i.e. your website or your app, right? That's where they're mm -hmm. living and spending their time mm -hmm. with the brand. And then the third part is the retention messaging messaging mechanisms. Uh, oh, you know, email marketing for my existing customers or audience, SMS marketing, and then push notification marketing, right? right. So that's where it kind of falls. Those are the three kind of pillars of retention. But again, at the top of that is like, top-notch product with top-notch customer experience, right? That's, yeah. that, that's got to come before any of those things matter. Yeah. When you, uh, when you like, so when you engage with clients, do you architect out for them? I mean, I'm assuming like a big part of it is, okay, let's open up the hood and a lot of discovery, right? And then are you also like customizing and architecting that process out for them? I mean, I'm sure that they know a lot already, but are, are there things that you discover that you're just like, wow, like nobody, like, is there something that you just did not expect that comes out of the woodwork sometimes when you're doing those types of projects? Great question. So for every single one of the merchants or brands we work with, we are architecting everything, what their retention strategy would look like. It's, it comes with, you're right, extensive, extensive discovery. We end up becoming like a trusted advisor in that process because this is not a transactional engagement. This is okay. a a strategic engagement, right? Tapcard yeah. actually only wins if the merchant's winning with their app too. So yeah. we need to understand what the before state of that merchant is before we can make any actual recommendations on the retention side of the conversation. But you're absolutely right. That is what we do. We map out, you know, what are those strategies that are going to help them drive the most success when it comes to retention? You know, mobile app is one part of that, right? But in the process of that we're mapping out the entire you know, retention strategy and what that looks like. And ultimately it comes down to, I think the part where you mentioned like what's most eye-opening when you, you know, look under the hood, mm -hmm. it's how everybody all of a sudden realizes that profits matter. Like when did that not matter? Right. <laughs> but, um, but now in the last 12 months, uh, or at least prior to the last 12 months, growth at all costs, doesn't matter what it costs to acquire the customer 
pay it, spend it, acquire that customer. It was a growth at all costs because now, you know, D to C brands were able to raise capital, which means profits didn't matter. They could go find capital and cash flow elsewhere. Um, software companies were on the rise. So, you know, that we were able to, as software companies, you could give your solution away for practically free because it didn't because capital was down the road mm -hmm. so all of those things changed now for brands where all of a sudden profit matters like oh guys we don't have that access to capital anymore so now we actually have to make a profit yeah. like since when is that was that an innovative concept i don't know but that's the reality so now all of a sudden retention it's having its day in the sun no one yeah. cared about retention before they yeah. said hey someone bought i could serve up another Facebook ad to them and bring them back again. Well, those days are gone because it's so expensive to do that now. Yeah. So that's where retention is finally being prioritized. And I think that's been a huge tailwind of Tapcart success. So aside from the solution, aside from what the channel is itself, it's also like you look at the other brands or other software companies in mm -hmm. the Shopify ecosystem, there's 12,000 apps or, or tools you can use in the Shopify ecosystem. Mm -hmm. I'd say only five of them have scaled, uh, um, are operating at scale and have grown 300 plus percent over the past 18 months. And if you look at who those companies are, they're all in the retention space. 100% of them are in the retention space because all of a sudden retention matters, right? It's such a canary in the coal mine, you know, like this, I mean, anybody that has a brand, I hope they they listen to this, to this episode because, um, an e-commerce brand specifically, because we've been telling people that on the front end, on the agency side, we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then what? Like, okay, you want Legion, you want ads, you want whatever, right? You want traffic, you want clicks, you want imprint, you want all that, right? But then what? And that is the big what. And I think economically, like everything you just said right there could be unpacked into like its own episode. What was going on economically? What was going on with private equity? What was going on with VC? What was a strategy for launching and where, how are you going to fund that? Yeah. I mean, look, look what's going on with software. It's freemium, 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 users, 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 just get right. Daily active users, da, 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 da. Like the stats that we looked at from, you know, from a, from an app perspective, all of that's changed now. Right. Um, it's, it's a, it like, I would love to just have a whole other conversation about that. But um, so one last thing I was going to ask you was you mentioned the pre-iOS and post-iOS apocalyptic era for brands. Um, I'd love to hear your perspective a little bit more on that topic because um, on our side, it was one experience. On your side, it was probably kind of similar, a little bit more of a um, uh, different experience. But like, do, were you guys like, did you know, guess what? I mean, we all knew it was coming, right? We knew, we, we, everybody has their feelers out there. We all know they Yeah. All kinds of stuff that's coming out. California actually has some of the strictest laws under SEPA. There's TCPA. There's all kinds of stuff, right? CanSpam was just the, the origin of all this, and then all of the other privacy restrictions and all that. But did you guys know at Tapcart, and you were like, "This is going to be like"? Did you call your investors, or did you like have like a team meeting? You're like, "Guess what, everybody?" <laughs> like, or or were you kind of like also responding as as everybody else was as it was unrolling? Yeah, so so I think ours was more like as a team, like how do we respond with messaging to our brands? Because guess what, guys? You know what just happened? Acquisition is just about to get more expensive, which means retention all of a sudden matters. Mm -hmm. So it was it was 
Uh, the concept of the messaging of the owned channel, the concept of having an owned channel, email, SMS is own channel, and, and your mobile app is the own channel, not Facebook's channel, not Google's channel, you not, it. you know, like you don't own it, right? Yeah. So, so own channels didn't really matter prior to that, right? Um, it, it's when that happened where own channels was suddenly a thing. So key part is at that moment, how quickly can you react and adjust your messaging to mm -hmm. account for the concept of the own channel? I think Apple, if you look at what happened and how we adapted to that and, and why it was a little bit of a tailwind effect is there's there was iOS 14 that sent acquisition costs to the moon, right? With the privacy changes on mm -hmm. Facebook. Then iOS 15 uh, happened, which you know to, set its sights on email marketing, email open rates for brand marketers all of a sudden started taking a hit because of the email privacy regulations that and uh, rules that uh, Apple had rolled out. Then iOS 16 came out and said, hey, you know what? Our, our, our users on our mobile device are getting spammed with, with SMS marketing. We need to lay down the, uh, the law on that. So all of a sudden, SMS marketing took a hit last year on that with iOS 16. And then now we have iOS 17 that just hit. And all of a sudden, link tracking is going away. They're t they have their sites on Google, Facebook, and all of that. So what is the common denominator of all of this? Besides why has Well, whack-a-mole, <laughs> but also keep in mind, why has it been a tailwind for Tapcart? Why, why has it been a tailwind for a brand that had an app? Is that, guess what? All of those changes did not impact anything on the app side. You know why? Apple and apps. We are, the brand's app is part of Apple's ecosystem. Correct. Which means Apple is going to do everything to protect their own app store, exactly. which means every other marketing tool is going to get deprioritized over time yes. with Apple, unless you are. So, I mean, the real question is, are you going to roll with Apple or you want to fight Apple, right? right. And and that's that's kind of been the tailwind effect, why Tapcard has had so much success. Now, the key is plenty of brands or, or SaaS tools serve the retention space. The question is, how quickly do they adapt, adapt to that messaging to get mm -hmm. that, that, that messaging in the hands of their audience, right? And mm -hmm. I think that's something we did really well. Oh, my gosh. Fabulous. Have you seen Super Pumped, the Uber story? No, but that's on my list. Like I literally hit seeing it hit my Netflix every day as, as a reminder to watch. I watched the whole thing this weekend. It literally, you have, to, okay, I think it's like the second or the last episode where he gets into it. He literally goes in to meet with them and he had, it's, you got to see it. It's that part exactly. It's like that exact scene in that second or the last episode where he goes in and he sits down with, um, oh my gosh, I can't remember his name. Cook. Is it Larry Cook? Yeah. Or, yep. uh, yeah. And then, uh, and, and then I forget. Tim? What, was. what was it? Tim Cook. Or Tim Cook. And then, um, I don't remember. Anyway, he sits down and it's basically like, um, you're not going to win. You are not going to dictate to us. We dictate to you. And, you know, I will make that they were going to shut Uber down and they were just on the precipice of possibly going to China and all these other, anyway, it was so interesting, but yeah, you got to watch that movie on your Netflix. Okay. Uh, okay. Now, now, list. now I have to, after you said that, I have yeah. to watch that. It's, it's, it's bingeable. I, I didn't do much on Sunday. Anyway, um, Neil, I know you got to run. Um, thank you so much. I had so much fun talking to you. I literally think we could probably talk for hours, um, but I'll uh, see you yes. next week. And again, I hope this gets out in time, but he's going to be at Bro LA, which is all for e-commerce brands. It's all about, you know, oh my God, it's like the who's who of, of basically e-commerce marketing. And, and um, he'll be speaking on stage on Tuesday. And then you can follow him on LinkedIn. And is there anywhere else we should have people catch up with you at? 
Hey, LinkedIn is, is where I'm at. That's where I live as well. So-